Hi, thanks for checking out this message from our River Valley Church family here in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. For more messages, be sure to check out our other podcasts. For more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Dawns in Galilee. Some say madman, some say king. Wonder-working rebel priest. Jesus Christ the Nazarene. He knew well what it would take. To free us all from sin and grave. 
Well, good morning, River Valley Church. If you're in the lobbies, come on in. If you're in here with us, stand on up. We are going to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords this morning. We are excited to be here. I hope you're excited to be with us. I want to share a little scripture with you this morning to get our hearts set on what we're going to be processing through this morning. This is from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. There's a mighty battle going on in the the, the nation of Israel is just afraid, and, and this is the word that God gives this man, and I believe it's for us this morning. It says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, and he said, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed at this great army, for the battle is not yours, but it is the Lord's. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up. You will not need to fight at all. Just stand firm. Just hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out, and the Lord will be with you, and, er and, and he will emerge victorious for you. Father, we claim that promise this morning, the, the same promise you gave to the nation of Israel, Lord, that this morning as we come 
and we stand firm in our faith as we unite together, as we love one another, God, that you are fighting our battles. Lord, that if we just stand with you, that we will emerge victorious over any and every situation, God. We bring you praise because this is true. We, we bring our praise before you this morning at your altar and at your throne, God, because this is true. Lord, be pleased with our worship this morning. We set our hearts and our minds on you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sing this with me. You give life. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. And great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. Great are you, Lord. Sing, you give life. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you. in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you only great are you lord yes you are great god Oh, this morning, Father, we just turn our eyes unto you. We say that you are great and mighty and worthy of all the praise that we have. Every breath in our lungs is yours, God. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are you. will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great are you lord and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great are you And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. 
these bones will sing sing this bridge one more time we're going to just sit in this moment with the Lord not of who we are but who he is we're going to take just another minute and we're going to exalt the name of the Lord in this place in this house in this moment all the earth will shout your peace our hearts will cry these bones will sing All the earth and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing pray are you Lord? sing it again and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will
Father, we just worship you in this place this morning. Thank you, Lord, that as we turn to you, God, your word promises that you turn to us. Where two or more are gathered, there you are in the midst of them. We thank you that that is a promise, that you are here in this place with us this morning. And so, Father, we look to you. We turn up our expectation of what you want to do in this place. In each of us, God, in every heart. Father, I just speak over this congregation, over this house, Father. I thank you for peace. I thank you that as your spirit settles on us, God, that there is joy, that there is rest. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. You are so good. You are so good to us, God. Thank you, Lord, how good you are. song we could ever receive, worthy of all the praise we could ever breathe, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you.
of the glory. Come on, church, lift him up this morning. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things. To you are all things. You deserve the glory. in this place. We say there is none like you, God. There is none like you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All my words fall short. 
I've got nothing new How could I express All my gratitude I could sing these songs As I often do Every song must end And you never do So I throw up my hands And praise you again and again Cause all that I have is a hallelujah And hallelujah And I know it's not much But I've nothing else fit for a king Except for art singing Alleluia And Alleluia I've got one response I've got just one with my arms spread wide I will worship you So I throw up my hands And praise you again and again Cause all that I have is a hallelujah And I know it's not much, but I've nothing else fit for a king Except for our singing Alleluia and Alleluia Get shy on me and lift up yours Cause you've got a lion inside of those tongues Get up and praise the Lord Come on my soul Oh don't you get shy on me and lift up yours Cause you've got a lion inside of those tongues Get up and praise the Lord Oh, come on, my soul Oh, don't you get shy on me and lift up yours Cause you've got a lion inside of those thumbs Get up and praise the Lord Oh, come on, my soul Get shy on me and lift up yours Cause you've got a lie 
this morning, God. It's the very best we can bring, Lord. It's not much, but we bring it to you because you're worthy of our praise, God. You're so good to us, God. I don't know about you guys, but there's often times, including this morning, five minutes ago, where I don't really feel like I have a lion inside of me. 
where I don't really feel like a like a, a son of the one true king, where I don't really feel like I have this the power of the very living God living inside of me. And instead of a lion, sometimes I feel like a little kitten. I don't feel like my worship's good enough. I don't feel like my choices are good enough. And I want, if you're in that place with me this morning, I want you to hear this from me as God just whispered this scripture in my ear. That is a lie of the evil one. That is not welcome in our thoughts, in our hearts, in our minds. And I want to read this scripture to you. Because the beauty of that for me is that, you know, when Jesus walked this earth, he went through every single feeling we could ever experience. And the reason we bring him our hallelujah and the reason we bring him our worship is because he knows what we walk through. And Hebrews 4 says this, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold fast to our belief. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand what we struggle with. But we have a high priest and a God who in every respect has been tempted and challenged and faced with difficulty that we have. Yet he did it without sin. And this is the good part. Therefore, let us then with confidence draw near to his throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and grace and help in our moments of need and doubt. Father, as we, as we battle through life, Lord, you promised us in John 16, you promised us that in this life we will have trouble. You promised us that we will face discouragement, that we will face challenges, God, that we won't always feel like we should because of who we are in you, God. But this morning, we cling and we hold fast to the promises of you, Jesus, and you, Father, God. We claim the power of the Holy Spirit living inside us, Lord, that we have a lion inside of our lungs. That even though it doesn't feel like a God, it's true. That even though it doesn't seem like a God, it's true. And today, God, I, I pray that you would raise up those lions inside of our lungs, Lord, to, to worship you. You'd raise up those lions inside of our lungs to love one another, God. You'd raise up those lions inside of our lungs, Lord, to go out and change the world for you, God. To be your lights and your hands and your feet all over this valley, God. I pray that you do that right here in this moment in River Valley Church in the hearts of all the people standing before you, God. Because we need you, God. We need you to remind us deep in our hearts that we have the power of the living God that raised Jesus from the dead, and it's inside of us. We need you, Lord. Ben, let's sing that just one more time, please. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Because all that I have is a I've nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing Alleluia and Alleluia. Thank you, Lord. We give you our worship this morning. It's certainly not fit for you, but it's what we have. Remind us who we are in you. We're here to be moved and transformed and changed by you and to have 
an open heart to what you want to speak to us and do in us this morning. We love you so much. And it is in your powerful name that we pray, Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Third through fifth graders, you are dismissed. Thank you for joining us. Why don't you go say hi to someone? Tell them that you love them this morning and give them a hug. as you keep giving hugs and saying hi. I just want to share a few things going on in our church this week and this fall. Uh, first of all, in the front of, in the seat back pocket in front of you, there is a little connect card. If you are a regular tender here, we'd love to hear your prayer requests and thoughts on there. Um, communicate with us. But if you're new especially, we're so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us. We would love to get to know you. We actually have a free gift for you at our Connect Center out there. So take that card, take it back to the Connect Center. We'd love to get to know you. Uh, Last week, our small groups kicked off. Anyone excited about that? It's awesome. And we have about seven or eight small groups that are happening this fall for the next nine, ten weeks. And if you haven't signed up, there is still time. You can still sign up. If you need information, you can see me back at the Connect Center or just jump on our website. And then lastly, anyone believe in advancing the kingdom of God here? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. I'll, I'll let that go. I'll let that go. But... We have our global missions interest meeting after church today, right where you are sitting. You literally don't have to go anywhere. But right where you are sitting, we're going to have our global missions interest meeting. Last year, we sent over 50 people out on global missions, and we are excited to do the same this year. So if you're interested in global missions, right after service, right here in the sanctuary, there is going to be an interest uh, and info meeting. So I encourage you to join us for that. With that being said, we have an exciting word this morning. We're going to continue on in our DNA series uh, and Pastor Emily is actually going to be delivering a word to us. So we are very excited. So check out this video, and then she'll be right up. Good morning. 
excited to speak today um, and have some fun getting to talk about our next core value. Last week, Tim, Pastor Tim kicked off our core value series. If you were here, we talked about radical faith and what it looks like to live in radical faith. Um, but before we get started this morning, you know, it's funny because they, uh, I tend to speak a lot shorter than my husband. <laughs> he has a lot more words than I do um, in general. And so they said, well, Emily, why don't you try to share some personal stories too, um, to connect with people, to fill some time. And so, and then of course, as soon as somebody says share a personal story, I'm like, I have none. <laughs> which is not true, of course, but I just blinked. But I do have some personal stories I'm going to share throughout the message today. But I thought it would be really fun to start out with some jokes. Um, I love to laugh. That's one of my favorite things. I feel like as Christians, we're called to live a joyful life. And part of joy is laughter. And it's so good for our souls. Um, I'm a nurse as well, and let me tell you, laughter and joy is good for our physical health as well, and so it's a very important part of our walk. So let's start out with a few jokes. I have six teenagers, if you didn't already know that, and so right now uh, four of them are boys, and cars are a big deal at our house, and they're really cool, and we have cars always in front of our house, and different cars, and Right now, we have a very interesting car parked by the side of our house, but if you need to know those stories, we can share them later. But I thought this was a kind of a fun little uh, question. It says, what kind of motor vehicles um, are in the Bible? And maybe you are wondering as well as I am what those would be. And so it says, uh, one of them was that Yahweh drove Adam and Eve out of the garden in a fury uh, which is an automobile, <laughs> right? Um, and then we know that it says Israel's triumph, which was a British automobile, could be heard after the death of Goliath. Also, we know that there must have been Hondas because it says in Acts 2.12 that Jesus' followers were all in one accord. Right? Okay. <laughs> in Psalms 83, the Almighty clearly owns both a Pontiac and a Geo because this passage urges the Lord, the, or this passage urges the Lord to pursue your enemies with your tempest and terrify them with your storm. So I think there's a lot of vehicles we're hearing about in the word. And then lastly, I love this one in 2 Corinthians 4.8. We know that there's a group traveling in a Volkswagen bug because it says, we are hard pressed on every side, right? <laughs> so there's some good laughs for you. And I thought, well, not everybody loves cars. So I do have a son who loves sports as well. Um, and so I thought this was a great joke too. It says, where is the first baseball game at in the Bible? Oh, he knew it. <laughs> Alan. No, it's in the beginning. Eve stole first and Adam stole second. So there you go. All right, I have more, but we'll save them for upcoming weeks. Um, but it's always good to laugh and to find joy and humor. I love reading the Bible. There's many, many scriptures that bring a chuckle as well when I read them. Um, I hope you find a lot of joy when you're reading the Bible as well. All right. So um, but before we jump into this next core value of love, I do want to pray together. So let's all pray, and we're going to just ask God, what do you want me to know today, right? We all have a different need in our heart. We all have a different space that the Holy Spirit is working, 
And I'm going to share something, but my hope and prayer is that the Holy Spirit just speaks to you where you're at and with what you have going on. And so let's just all join together and you pray this prayer with me, God. So, Abba, we just thank you so much, God, for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy, God. We love you, God, so much. And we're so thankful, God, that you care for us. Lord, that you've given us your DNA, God, that we get to have and be part of our lives. God, I ask that today you just help us, God, to hear what you want us to know today, God, that each and every one of us, God, hears from you specifically and knows what to take from this message, God, for their next steps in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so like I said, last week we spoke on faith, and I love that we started with faith because faith is really that first part of our journey. Without faith, we wouldn't have said yes to pursuing and loving God. Um, We need faith. And then once we take that step of faith and we say yes to God and his work in our life, that's when love begins to get developed in our life and it can grow and increase. And so today we're talking about that value number two, which is we love people. Our core value here at River Valley that we wrote out as a staff says, we love people anytime anywhere. We do whatever it takes to connect people with Jesus. And that's a core value we hear, we have here at River Valley, and it's a core value for all of our lives as Christians. And so we're going to jump in before we really get diving into this word. I want you to take a minute to discuss amongst yourselves what that means for you. So we'll, we'll have it up there on the board if you don't remember what I said, but take a minute, turn to somebody sitting next to you, and talk about what it means to love people anytime and anywhere. So we're going to start a timer. Three, two, one, go. I offered to sing the Jeopardy song, but... up here. All right, so um, I'm sure you had a lot of thoughts, and if I had my handheld mic, I might have run around and had a few of us share, but let's put up on the screen, our staff did this together um, at our last staff summit together, 
And these were some of the words that came to mind when they wrote it down. If you can't read that, some of those things say patience, uh, being patient with people, being present with people, having empathy, valuing people, listening, but also some things on there that aren't so fun, which is it's not always returned. It's sometimes really painful. It can be inconvenient, um, and it needs to be a non-judgmental zone, right? So I'm sure there's a lot more to be said about that, but those were some of the things we talked about as a staff and what it really means to love people. You know, love is central to everything else in our lives. So our journey starts with God loving us, and then as we move forward in life, there becomes that pivotal moment where we say yes to God that we're going to choose to love him back. That's a choice. We don't have to do that. That's a choice we get to make. And then the, after that choice that we've made, we get to move into this space now of loving God and loving people the way that he loves us. Jesus shared with us in scripture that the first and greatest commandment is to love God. And the second is like it. And it says to love your neighbor as yourself. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40, it says, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. You know, many times in life when I have started feeling really overwhelmed, when I've tried to be juggling uh, being a mom, being a coworker at my job, um, pastoring people here and caring for the church, and running household duties, there's absolutely been seasons of light life. I have felt so, so overwhelmed. And, you know, every time I've come to that place in prayer saying, God, I am juggling way too many things here, the Lord just reminds me that there's two things to just keep in my, keep in my forefront, and that's all I need to focus on, and that's loving him and loving people. And it has helped me reset myself and recenter myself time and time again to remember that those are the only two things that I need to focus on and that everything else will come into order if I can do those two things. Um, as humans, we often slip into a work mentality and we try to determine our value and worth um, by sometimes, you know, or by trying to earn God's love. I think we do that even if we're not Christians, that and in general, as human, our human nature is by what we do, what we say, our degree, uh, whatever we're doing, our job, our careers, that those determine our worth and value. That's something that we really slip into easily in our culture um, and as the human race. And what we're learning is that our value and worth is not determined by those things. Our value and worth is just determined by him loving us. And we don't need to work on fulfilling all the neat little tiny, tiny things and being the right person and saying the right things and making. That's just not what God's asked of us. He's asked us to just spend time loving him and loving people. And that will fulfill everything in your life. In Romans 13, 8 through 10, it says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment is all summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is fulfilling the law. 
So if you need to simplify things right now in your life and things feel out of control a little bit, I would just encourage you, this is how you simplify. Go back to this basic foundation of your life of loving God and loving people, and he will take care of the rest. Love is a distinguishing marker of our DNA as Christians. Our series is called DNA and our core values. Um, And so scripture is really clear that anyone who actually doesn't love does not know God. It's very black and white in scripture. In 1 John 4, 7 through 8, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love God or does not love does not know God because God is love. I have a hard time reciting that scripture because there's an old children's song. <laughs> right? Okay. So every time I start to read it, I have the song in my head and I, stum- I, like, I get the two mixed up. Anyways, it's an old song. I don't know if everybody would know it, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> um, anyways, it's impossible to know God and to not love one another. That's one of our defining marks, or it should be a defining mark of us as Jesus followers, is that we love people and we love people well. And the simple reason why we love people is because he first loved us. In 1 John 4, 11 and 12 and 19, it says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We love because he first loved us. So if you're wondering why should we love people, it's just because he loved us. And so out of that place of thankfulness and a heart of gratitude for his love for us, we love people out of that same spot. I do think it's important to talk really quickly about some different types of love, though, because even though we're not going to spend a ton of time on this, it's important not to it's important to know what type of love we're talking about here because love, that word love, is thrown around a lot. It's thrown around a lot of different places, concepts, ideas. A lot of people can um, picture something probably different than the person sitting next to you on what love means. And so I do want to talk really quick about two types of love. So in the Bible, in general, we see two words used for love in the Greek language. One is agapo and one is phileo. Um, The word agapo is used in reference to loving each other. It refers to a love that expresses compassion. And this is the type of love that we're asked to give to our neighbor as we love one another. The main difference between these two words is that agapo love is showing people true love from God, um, which isn't about pleasing people, um, but rather about pleasing God. So a lot of times we have a skewed Uh, definition in our head that to love somebody means we're going to make them happy, right? And that's that's not a biblical concept of love, and I want to really bring that definition into place here um, because it's important to distinguish. You might use the word phileo love more in that place of that pleasing people spot of love. It's a much more general term used in the Bible, and it can actually potentially lead to uh, adopting others' lifestyles, perspectives, um, and becoming friends on their level. It's phileo love is more of a general term. And that type of love actually can end up leading to um, self-indulgence and selfish ambition. That's not the type of love that God is asking us to love with um, when he's talking about it in scripture. So um, John MacArthur states that agapo expresses the ideal kind of love 
that which is exercised by the will rather than emotion, and it's not determined by the beauty or desirability of the object, in other words, not what's easy to love, <laughs> but by the noble intention of the one who loves. Love is not a feeling or an emotion, but it's rather, it's an action. It's not words, but it's what we do. And I just want to remind us that God does not love us when he feels like loving us, right? <laughs> God loves us all the time. His love doesn't change. It doesn't ever flow. And we are so thankful that his love is constant for us and consistent and it doesn't change based on emotion or feeling, or we'd all be in trouble, right? <laughs> if, if God only loved us when we were doing good or making him happy, then we would all be in trouble. And so I, that's why I'm reminding you that we love like he loves us, which is a constant, and it's not based on that object's, uh, what, what's happening with that object, right? Um, when we love like God loves us, we see everyone as he does. Everyone has value and worth, because they are created in his image. If we love people with agapo love that comes from a choice of seeing people the way Jesus sees them, then we're walking out this command to love people. And I am convinced personally <laughs> that our capability to love people um, is dependent on the extent of how much we understand how much we are loved and forgiven. In 1 John 4, 17, it says, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. And so the more that you know God and you experience his forgiveness for you and his love for you, and you are confident and can walk under that covering of his love for you, that is when your love will become more and more perfected and you'll be able to love people more and more. So to increase our ability to love people, we must spend time knowing God. That's why the first commandment and the greatest is to know God and to love him, right? Because without that, we cannot love people. It has to be the first part of our journey. Scripture gives us a lot of examples of what loving people looks like practically, and we're going to look at a few of those together. So most of us have heard the description of love from 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, let's read it again because it's one of the most simple ways to define what the actions of love look like. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 8, it says that love is patient and love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Now in another version, it words a portion of that verse, that's, and it says that love holds no record of wrongs. And I just thought, since they wanted me to share some personal stories, that I'll just share that this is an area recently the Lord really convicted me in. And I don't know about you, but I'm really good at keeping a list of the record of wrongs of my husband. He's not here today. So. <laughs> uh, but I'm really good at keeping that list um, in my back pocket. And then every so often, I just bring out that list of all his record of wrongs. 
uh, how he has hurt my feelings or frustrated me. And, uh, you know, Tim really loves that. He would just get so excited <laughs> when I whip that list out. Okay, he doesn't. Uh, but God really convicted me recently in this space and said, oh, that's not how I love. I don't hold a record of wrongs. I don't hold a list um, that I remind you of every time you come before me. And so I have a choice to make. Do I want to be like Jesus or do I not? And I do. I want to be like Jesus. I want to love like him. And so I'm working very hard uh, erasing that list and not uh, bringing it to the forefront of conversations every so often. <laughs> uh, so there's a personal little touch for you guys. Um, and personally, I really love a teaching um, and a, a lesson, a sermon, whatever you want to call it, that gives really, really down-to-earth practical advice and what you can do to take next steps in an area. And so the rest of our message today we are going to really dive into some spaces very practically that tell you some ways that we see in Scripture that we can love people more. And my goal and my heart today is that when you leave, you leave with some ideas and some spaces you're like, I can love more in this area because love is a choice. This type of love is a choice. Remember, it's, it's part of our will. It's not an emotion. If we feel like loving, my, my, I can pretty much guarantee that this week you're not going to feel like loving people more than the people around you maybe that are cranky or irritable. <laughs> We're not going to feel it, okay? So it has to be something that we make a choice to do. And my goal is that today, uh, through what we speak about and, and share about, that you can identify at least one area that this week you can take with you and work on choosing love more intentionally. So we're going to go through a series of scriptures. I think most of them will be on the board. Um, if you're trying to keep up, go for it. <laughs> but in James 1.19, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. How many of you would agree that if we would talk less, uh, listen more, and be slow to react, we would be showing greater love to each other. I think we would. You know, when Tim uh, preaches, a lot of times his parallels come from sports or maybe his years as a paramedic. Uh, but you're going to get musicals today because that's something I <laughs> enjoy. Uh, but in Hamilton, the musical Hamilton, if you haven't watched it, um, but one of his lines when he's asking for advice is to talk less and smile more. Funny, a biblical principle, right? <laughs> uh, so um, that's the parallels you're going to get today. Uh, hopefully that's okay. Um, but how often are we really, truly listening to one another? I mean, I, unfortunately, I hate to break it to you, but if you have your phone in one hand and you're scrolling and looking at stuff and someone's talking to you, that's not listening well. It's not. Um, we all love to think that we are great at doing all the things at once, but we are not. Um, so, um, how often does our anger get ignited before we've even heard the whole story? I would say a lot. I would say maybe the majority of the time. That if we truly took the time to listen and to talk a little bit less, hear the whole story, our anger would not get ignited so quickly. You know, everything in Scripture is on, is on purpose, and the order of things is on purpose. And so I think this Scripture is very intentional. It's saying, quick to hear. So we listen first. That's the very important we talk a little bit less, and that is going to naturally result in us being slower to anger. So if this is a space in your life you're working on, here's a strategy for you um, on how to work on that a little bit more effectively. Um, so 
one way that you might leave today thinking I'm going to um, show love better to people is you could just work on listening better. That's huge. And our culture and community does not listen well. Nobody listens well anymore. We have a lot of distractions. So this is a huge space that we could work on um, and show love better. In Philippians 2.14, it says, oh, this is a hard one. It says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Oh, this is a tough one, right? Why is this scripture in the Bible? I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's really true. A lot of times in our culture, in our, in our, an outlet for people is to grumble or complain, to vent, right? That's what, I just need to vent. Um, I do it too. But in reality, if we could turn that grumbling and complaining to prayer, to the Lord, guess what? God can actually help us fix whatever's going on and give us peace or or restitution or whatever is needing to take place. And it preserves our relationships because guess what? Um, Then your friend doesn't have to be the fake counselor anymore and trying to figure out how to help you, right? (laughs) They they don't have to, to try to fill a spot that they can't fill. Um, So by choosing to not grumble and dispute or complain, that's a way we can show people more and more love. How about at work? How many of you have ever worked with somebody who uh, complains all the time? I think we've all had that coworker. It's not pleasant. Um, And it's wearing on relationships. In Proverbs, it says that we have the power uh, to choose, um, that our words, well, let me back up, that in Proverbs, it says, our words hold the power of either life or our words hold the power of death, and we choose how those words are going to be and which ones we're going to use. Grumbling and complaining fall under uh, not the words of life. I'm sorry. <laughs> they just don't. Um, and so if we choose to pull back a little bit, Stop all of our grumbling, complaining. Give those things to the Lord. They're real. I'm not saying ignore your feelings. I'm just saying put them in the right spot. Direct them to the Lord. Let him work through those emotions with you and help him solve those problems. And in your relationships with coworkers, family, friends, this doesn't need to be part of those conversations. They're not going to bring life. Our lives are supposed to be different. Um, We are called to be peculiar people. And this is a space, especially at work, that I think you can really stand out as Christians. I think that you can really look different and be different by being somebody who's not complaining um, all the time. In Colossians 3 verses 12 through 13, it says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against the other, forgiving them as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. A big way to show love, this one's going to hurt a little bit, but a big way to show love is to forgive one another, and let me add, to forgive one another without punishing them, right? We will like, well, I'm going to forgive them, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait and forgive them in a couple of days um, after they feel their choices, <laughs> right? Um, and that's, that's a human tendency. And so scripture teaches us a different way to forgive. Our scripture teaches us to forgive quickly and not to punish people in that process. That's, God isn't punishing us uh, for when he forgives us. He's not sitting there waiting and he's like, oh, I'm going to forgive you, Emily, tomorrow. Uh, he doesn't do that. God doesn't punish us in his process of forgiveness. In fact, the Bible tells us as soon as we repent and ask for forgiveness, he removes it from the east to the west and he throws it in the sea of forgetfulness and it is erased, 
right? That's awesome. I am so, so thankful for that. Um, And he's asking us to forgive like that. So if you have people who are coming to you and asking for forgiveness or repenting for their actions, forgive them. Just let it go. We're really, that's a hard space. I get it. We have all had people that we do not want to forgive. We've all been in there. Like I said, I like to hold that record of wrongs in my back pocket. That is not forgiveness, okay? And so it is a space that can be very difficult, but it is a space that God is asking us to love people more in by forgiving them and, and letting them go from that uh, sin. In Romans 12.10, it says to love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Uh, we can love people by showing them honor, and if you're competitive, good news is this scripture says you can be competitive with showing each other honor. So I am just challenging you, when you leave today, let's outdo each other. Let's show honor, and let's show it better than the person next to you. I really can't wait to hear some stories of how you were the best honorer. I don't think that's a word, but we'll go with it. Um, but this is a scripture that really gives you permission to, to, to have a little competition if you want. But if you're wondering what honoring somebody really even means or looks like, a good word to switch out in there would be to respect one another. Um, each person has been created in the image of God, and everyone, 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 everyone deserves the regard they're due as his creation. There's not one person who is not deserving of respect because they are his creation, 100%. And I am like you. I have been around people where I'm like, God, I don't see you in that person at all. (laughs) I don't see how they're your creation, uh, you know. But let me guarantee that they are. They are. Every person is made in his image. And we only see a broken part many times of people's story. Um, And it's not beautiful and it's not attractive. But God knows the whole story, and he knows what's going on behind the scenes, and we are called to love that part of them, okay? And so that is a big, big challenge, but something that's so important. All right, and I just got lost. Just teasing. Okay, here we go. Um, In Hebrews 13.2, it says to not, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. I think that's kind of cool, right? It says that uh, we should be friendly and welcoming to people, and if we do, we might entertain angels. I think that's kind of a fun uh, perspective. Remember, Jesus invited anyone and everyone to be part of his family. He welcomed prostitutes, tax collectors, traders, beggars. There's no one outside of his love, and not everyone wanted to be a part, but every single person was invited to be part of his family. And so um, that is how we are also called to love, to be welcoming, to be inviting. That is a part of love, is to show hospitality, to open up our homes and our lives to people. It's not always easy, but it's a huge way we show love, especially in our world. In Philippians 2.3, it shows us another way to love. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. That's a tough one, guys. There's a lot in this verse. Like I suppose, like sat on this verse for a long time, but uh, we'll keep it a little bit concise today. But humility is essentially having a correct view of yourself. That is like the most simple way to describe it. If this view of yourself is inflated, that's where we get the word conceited from, right? 
Um, Selfish ambition is only thinking about yourself and what you want. When we love others, we need to be thinking about ourselves correctly, and we will treat people then with significance. That's what this scripture verse is telling us. In our culture today, we do have a trend that is being taught that we should have self-love. You might hear that floating around. And don't get me wrong, self-care, boundaries, rest, those are all critical, and they're at a huge important part of our stewardship as Christians, of our care for ourselves and others. But be very careful of that self-love space because oftentimes um, how it's presented it really does border on idolatry and selfish ambition. Um, So just be aware that we don't fall into that trap. Um, As a little bit of a random note, I recently read a study I thought was so, so interesting, and it said that they interviewed a group of people who were uh, successful and a group of people who were probably unsuccessful. (laughs) Um, And the common uh, characteristic that the people who were the most successful in life had was that they had the most accurate description of themselves, both in their weaknesses and their strengths. And that those people had the highest level of potential of success in their lives. This is not a church study. This was just a a study in the business world. Um, And I just thought that's so interesting. Humility is such a key to our success in life, period. Um, Being able to learn, to take inventory and know where we're strong and where we're not so strong That is so important, and it helps us have healthy relationships. If we try to be something we are not, we are not going to ever have health in a relationship. As children of God, we walk in confidence, but we don't walk in confidence in ourselves. We walk in confidence in him. That's the difference, right? And so humility is walking um, in confidence in him and viewing ourselves correctly. If we do this, then we're able to keep our heart tucked away in a really safe place with Jesus, and it really allows us then to treat other people with significance like they should be treated. If we don't have our heart tucked in that safe space with Jesus, knowing who we are in him, we we just won't be able to treat other people with significance because we're too caught up with self, right? This is a big way that you can show love to people is working on uh, remaining humble, keeping our hearts humble. Um, And did you know that being humble is actually not something that magically just happens? (laughs) Unfortunately, you can't just like wish to be humble and it just magically happens or occurs. It just doesn't. Um, Being humble, it says in the Bible that we humble ourselves. It's a choice. It's an action that we make. So you do have some control in this space to choose to uh, walk in humility and to humble yourself. In Ephesians 4.32, it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This one is simple. Uh, It's just be kind, right? It seems simple anyways. Um, But that word can look uh, mean things like being helpful, sympathetic, being gentle with each other. Those would all kind of fall under that word kind's uh, definition. And being kind will transform any relationship in this world. Kindness is honestly more and more rare, right? We're seeing it less and less and less. And so I promise that if you just work on being more kind, you will be loving people more and you will stand out. It's impossible to be a kind person in our culture and not stand out. Um, This is a way that 
God will be able to shine through you, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Holy Spirit will be evident in your life. I think it's kind of cool, too. There's a scripture um, in Proverbs, and I think it's quoted again in the New Testament, but it's talking about how when, with our, when we love our enemies, that we give them something to drink, we feed them, and then it says if we do that, we'll um, have a heaping coals on their head. And I think a lot of times we read that, we kind of define it as like, ha, 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 <laughs> you know, if we're kind to you, it's going to hurt, you know. And um, I think really what this scripture is teaching us is, you know, if we look through scripture, fire and coal is a refining process in our lives. And when we choose to be kind to someone else, we actually help them start hopefully a refining part of their lives where their heart and their mind can start to see something different than what they know and what they're um, exuding and we push them towards his presence and into his kindness towards them, right? That's pretty cool. So it's, it's not an act of vengeance. <laughs> it's an act of love to show kindness to people. So as we wrap up this message today, I hope you've identified at least one area in your life that you can practice this week in showing love um, to people more and more. Remember, agapo love is a choice founded on the love of God. You can choose to show more love this week, even if you don't feel like it. Our core value of love is an overarching value that guides us as Jesus followers on Jesus' mission. And our love for him displayed by our love for others is the most beautiful picture of our relationship with him and the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I'm going to close with a quote from another musical. <laughs> I told you you're going to get them today, um, but I love the musical Les Miserables. It's a beautiful, beautiful story of forgiveness. There's a movie. If you don't like singing, you can watch the movie or <laughs> watch the musical, whatever you prefer. But he ends and he says, to love another person is to see the face of God. And I would just tweak that a little bit, and I would just say that when we love another person, we show them the face of God. And oh, I get emotional at the end. <laughs> but our love for people is, is us showing them God. It's powerful. It will change people's lives by our choice of loving them, and it is worth it. And so I just encourage every person today to take one more step in that direction of increasing your love for people. Um, it'll be worth it, and you'll get to see people's lives changed. Let's stand together, and let's pray, and we're going to close in one song of worship here together. Abba, we are so in love with you, God. You are our Father, and you love us perfectly, God. Lord, we're so, so thankful for your grace and your mercy. God, that you love us, that you forgive us, God, that you're for us, God, that you're looking for us, that you're waiting for us, God, that you're pursuing us. God, I just ask today, Lord, that in each and every one of our lives, God, in each and every one of our stories and situations and where we're at in life, God, that you show us ways that we can increase our love towards others the way you have loved us, God. We just thank you so much for your goodness and your kindness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from River Valley Church. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by it? Make sure to share it with them this week. Again, for more content from us, please check out our website at rivervalleyboise.com.